Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi. Welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. We have been hearing so much about functional medicine and how to look under the hood to see what the original cause is. So on the show with me today is one of my original teachers. She's the one that introduced functional medicine to me and is introducing this to many people throughout the whole world. So with us, we have Pam Smith. She'll be talking about her latest of many books, which is called What You Must Know About Allergy Relief. A little background on Pam. Uh, She's a physician, master's in public health with a master's in science, and a diplomat of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Physicians, where she teaches a large number of the courses. She's also a co-director of the master's program in medical sciences, which is based at the University of Southern Florida. Uh, She has a concentration in metabolic and nutritional medicine that was at the Morsani College of Medicine in the University of Southern Florida. She's also the founder of the Fellowship in Anti-Aging, where she is introducing many of us to this field of functional medicine. Currently, she's the owner and director of the Center for Personalized Medicines with locations in Michigan and Florida. So if you want to get under the hood to see what's really going on, she is an expert. So we're going to be talking about allergies and what we can do about them because they seem to be becoming increasingly prominent. So first of all, what is an allergy? Well, that is a great question, Susan, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, If you're looking at the idea of allergies, it's certainly a disease process that is much more common than people think. In fact, allergies are on the rise, whether it's asthma, hay fever, food allergies, eczema, they're all classified as an allergy. And really what it is is an overreaction of the body's immune system to a normally harmless substance like a plant, wheat, uh, can be a pet, chemical, or any of these kind of substances. And there's really a great number of misconceptions about allergies. And certainly one of the most common ones is people confuse allergies sometimes with other things. Okay. Um, yeah, and why, what are they confusing allergies with? Well, sometimes allergies really come from a problem with the gastrointestinal tract or the gut because an allergy is an immune system problem. When we look at the gut, 70 to 80% of our immune system is located in the gut. And so in order to have a healthy immune system, the gastrointestinal tract has to work perfectly to protect people from toxins, pathogens, disease, but also so that we don't have an allergic response because when you have an allergic response, this may be stemming from the gut. And people don't realize when they have constipation, diarrhea, GERD, uh, and all these kinds of things that their guts are not healthy. So one thing that we do when we look at allergies, first of all, is to help the patient have a very healthy gastrointestinal tract. 
So why is the gut connected to allergies? I mean, so many of our speakers, every time we talk about the cause of a disease, they're always talking about the gut. Why is the gut so involved in in allergies? Because an allergy doesn't seem to be happening in the intestinal tract. Well, it doesn't, and that's a great response. But, for example, let's take a food. What happens with a food is if you eat a food that you are allergic to, then this can, this allergy can occur because your gut is what we call leaking. You have leaky gut syndrome, and that occurs when there's spaces between the cells of the gut that allow bacteria, toxins, medicines, and partially digested food to leak into the body. And if those partially digested food products leak into the body from your gut, then that can set up an allergic response so that the next time you eat the food again, the body will become inflamed and start producing chemical reactions, increase in leukotrienes and other substances that will produce an allergen. I just want to reiterate this point because many speakers... I have emphasized that if you have any protein that goes through the system, and that could be any not completely digested food or anything that leaks into the blood system or any toxin or anything foreign like a food dye, or it can engender a response and start the whole autoimmune chain. But let me ask a question. Are you talking about food allergies or food sensitivities here? Well, that's a great question because, as you know, there really is two different kinds of responses that can, people can have that are allergies. They can have an IgE response, which is a true allergy, where people, for example, if they're allergic to shrimp, they eat it, they get short of breath, they get a rash, they start swelling. But much more commonly is an IgG response, which is more of a sensitivity. It's a humoral response, and so it usually occurs one, two, or three days later after the person eats the food, and they don't always equate eating that food with an allergy. In fact, sometimes they might get a headache. Their memory may be foggy. They may get a gut disturbance and not really itching or a runny nose, and so they don't think this is an allergic response. The other problem with an IgG response, which again is very common, is the fact that people get a high. Their epinephrine and norepinephrine go up. They literally get a high from eating these foods, and they want to keep on eating foods they're sensitive to over and over again. I personally don't want to test myself for chocolate. That could be an issue. Oh, it's definitely an issue with me. So, okay, so my understanding is there's food allergies, which you get an anaphylactic reaction, which could be very dangerous. Which, that's what they have EpiPens for, to, so people don't succumb to those. But much more common for the rest of us who aren't aware of any difficulties with food is food sensitivity, which um, we have a reaction to a food, and as Pam indicated, it can make our gut disrupt the lining so things go in and out. And as she said, once things go out, we start this whole autoimmune chain, which can lead to down the path to any chronic disease we can imagine. So food sensitivities are pretty common. Don't at least like 50 million Americans or more have them? At least, at least. And so the trouble is you don't get those usual responses. 
And so when people have them, they may, again, just have a constipation. They may even feel fatigue. One of my own personal patients had been to 11 practitioners, and she, her chief complaint was just being tired all the time. And when we finally did a number of tests, her real reason for fatigue was a food sensitivity to gluten. And when we eliminated gluten from her diet, within 90 days she had no fatigue whatsoever, and she had had testing for Lyme disease and mold disease and, and hormones and neurotransmitters and many other things, and it turned out to be a sensitivity to gluten. Well, gluten is a pretty sneaky substance, I understand. I mean, and it's so, and it's so processed in the United States, and there's a lot of molecular mimicry where it cross-reacts with, you know, I mean, the antibodies go after a pancreas or balanced Purkinje cells in the brain, in the cerebellum, goes after the thyroid, and it really creates a lot of havoc. But there are a lot of other foods that are very common for uh, food allergies, and what are they? Well, the most common ones are wheat, dairy, soy, eggs, and peanuts, most commonly described in that order. Okay. Now, I also understand, I mean, one of our speakers said you can have a food allergy without ever having eaten it, so it sounds like a tricky area that we need to learn a lot more about. Well, it is a tricky area, and there's other intolerances, too. Uh, Probably the most familiar intolerance is to lactose. Uh, another one that we don't talk a lot about is a chemical additive intolerance, and that's to MSG. People, for example, that get headaches, migraine headaches, when they eat in Chinese restaurants, if they have MSG in them, some people are very, very sensitive to MSG. So there's a number of intolerances that people may or may not be aware of. So that would be Chinese restaurant syndrome. Isn't MSG like our Spartane? Aren't they neurotoxins? Well, it certainly has been described in many different fashions. Uh, For some people that are sensitive, it is definitely an excitotoxin to the brain. Uh, But again, it depends a lot on sensitivities. Some people are very sensitive to soy. And when they eat, you know, soy cheese or they have soy flour, then they end up getting a, a response, which could be fatigue. It could be diarrhea. Uh, One of my patients had a response that it just, she had itching all the time with no known cause. So uh, a common one is soy as well. So how do we find out if we have food allergies? Well, first of all, pardon me, food sensitivities. Well, first of all, it's important if you're not feeling great to read the labels of all kinds of foods that you are intaking so that you know what's on the labels. I find it really fascinating when I go to the store that the labels are usually very small. And the average age of reading glasses in the United States is age 42. So a lot of us have to take out our reading glasses to even look at the labels to begin with to see what's inside all of these. So a lot of times reading the label is the most helpful thing you can do. You can have allergy testing done to IgE, IgG, Uh, You can have allergy testing to spices. You can actually have allergies to mold. Uh, And, of course, you can have allergies to environment, like cats and dogs, Uh, allergies to trees. 
I feel much better when I'm in our Florida office than I do when I'm in our Michigan offices. And so I did my own allergy testing, and I found out I was highly allergic to birch trees. Well, you can't go any place in Michigan without being next to a birch tree. There's not a lot of birches in Florida. So you can have a functional medicine test done with allergy testing and test all of those. Okay, so to get these tested, you recommend to go to a practitioner. And also, I imagine if, if people couldn't afford to go to a practitioner, they might experiment on their own with an elimination diet? Absolutely. The elimination diet varies on what country that you are living in. A uh, lamination diet in the United States usually starts with rice and lamb because people are not usually allergic to those if they're born inside the United States and have lived here most of their life. In other countries, it may be different two foods to start with. And then with an allergy elimination program, you add a new food every four days, and then you see how you feel. Uh, so in different countries, it would be different uh, foods. So, for example, in a country that ate lamb more commonly, so they might tend to have more sensitivities to lamb? Yes, because a lot of times it's exposure, and that's why we suggest with people with food allergies, and I certainly describe in my book what you must know about allergy relief, that you really want to not eat any food more than every four days. I don't care how great raspberries are for you, and I happen to love them, but if you eat them every day, you can develop an allergy to them. So this, by a corollary of this, corollary of this would be is people that, okay, we're going to be very healthy and avoid the overprocessed gluten in the U.S. So they'll resort to some non-gluten products. So won't by by analogy, won't the same thing happen if they keep eating the same uh, gluten substitute, the same reaction that they have to gluten? Absolutely, absolutely. We must rotate our foods. No food should be eaten more than once every four days. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. And you talked about allergies to pets. So what do we do if we love our puppy and want to hug them and we might have an allergy to our puppy? Oh, that's the hardest one for me. I love cats. I love dogs. I would have a hard time if I were allergic to a cat or a dog. And people can have different allergies, coughing, itching, sneezing, rash, chap lips, stuffy nose, can be symptoms of cats and dogs. So you can coexist with them. One thing, if you have a forced air heating or air conditioning, it can carry the dander and the allergens throughout the house. So putting better filters can be helpful. You can get a HEPA filter, which can clean dander from the room. Washing down the walls of the house with a mild tannic acid solution can destroy the dander. You can put a vacuum. Uh, you can take your vacuum and put a HEPA filter on that so you have a better filter on your vacuum cleaner. Uh, it is suggested that you keep the pets off of upholstery uh, and carpeting. That holds on to the danders. Uh, don't use fabric drapes in rooms where the pets sit because the dander goes on the drapes. And then, of course, do not have the pets sleep with you. All of these things are really good tips for people to coexist with an animal they may be allergic to. Well, I tend, I don't, I mean, how can we tell if we're allergic to our puppies or not? 
it's hard. A lot of times it's difficult to tell, particularly if you just get watery eyes and you think it could be to many things. And sometimes that does require you to go see a traditional allergist to figure out if that's your if that's the problem. If we do have an allergy, is there some technique, like I've heard about the slit technique and uh, various things to help with immunity, uh, is there something we can do to strengthen our immune or regulate it so we can coexist with the things we love that might we might be allergic to? Yes. There are different kinds of methods if you see a functional medicine allergist that can help you build your immune system in a good fashion and not in an overreaction and histamine production fashion and really teach your your body to go and deal with the response better. Uh, one of the most interesting allergies I've ever seen in my personal practice was a patient that was allergic to cockroaches. <laughs> and it was very fascinating. Um, they attempted to, to try and find out their allergies and the infestation of a cockroach was their problem. And they were living in an apartment, and when they moved, their allergies were totally gone. How do you find out if you're allergic to cockroaches? Well, believe it or not, uh, leaving the environment is one of the best ways to find out if you have a problem. Uh, you can leave, have the house sprayed, come back in would be one way of looking at it. If you've exhausted all other methods of allergens and you get rid of the cockroaches, then that's usually your source of problem. Uh, you, people have to realize that when they inspect their home for these kind of things, that it's carpet care, it's closets, etc. cetera. Uh, so there are many ways. Even your car, uh, allergy-proofing your car may be very necessary for people who have a lot of allergies. Dust mites can get into the car via your clothes, and having good hygiene in the car may be helpful for people who are allergy-prone. So I come back to the same question. How do you know if you're allergic to your car or something in it? <laughs> that one's easier. Uh, what you can do is, you know, you can start weeding these things out. If you stay out of your car for three days, ride with a friend or stay home or whatever, and your allergies are improved, get back in your car, most people will have a response right away, uh, and you can get a HEPA filter for your car. So that one you don't usually need to see a doctor for. A lot of this is you can do on your own. You just avoid the exposure of certain things that may be a problem for you. And if you go back in the environment, you start itching or runny nose or runny eyes, remove yourself, do it a couple of times, and you'll probably find out that is the culprit. Uh, So dust mites are are really an issue for many people. Uh, They can live in carpeting, so some people can't have carpeting. Uh, people who have those kind of allergies, we tell them not to have stuffed animals in their house or overstuffed furniture and to vacuum frequently. But, um, for example, one of my patients had major allergies, and again, I've seen a number of physicians, and it turned out that it was an overstuffed chair in her medical practice. She was a physician. She had this overstuffed chair in her waiting room that people just loved. When she went to work, she got sick. When she went home, she didn't. And so we had her go back and forth a few times, and we quickly determined it was the mites in the overstuffed chair. 
So it sounds like, I, I always like to leave the listener with things they can do on their own uh, before they get to the practitioner. So it sounds like we have to do a lot of detective work and process of elimination. But also it sounds like when this uh, physician had had trouble with uh, dust in her chair, it sounds like she had reactions fairly quickly if she went home and she felt better and she went back to the office and she felt sick. Are sometimes we fortunate enough that the response occurs that quickly? We are sometimes fortunate enough that the response occurs that quickly. Uh, we are. Uh, the other thing that's important that I'd love to discuss today is that there really are 60 things that you can use as different supplements to help with allergies that are not medications. And I think everybody you know, quickly runs to a medicine, which can be fine, but there are 60 different supplements that can help with allergies and asthma. My personal favorite is quercetin, which is a flavonoid. It works in almost everybody. It stabilizes the walls of the mast cells, and it prevents that release of that histamine, that neurotransmitter that causes that allergic response. So, okay, so if we're going on our own, so do we do a process of elimination with various supplements, starting with quercetin, or does it depend on what kind of symptoms we had, what supplements we might start with? Well, you know, a lot of times people do do this on their own without the help of a functional medicine or other practitioner. And if any of the listeners out there are going to do it on their own, certainly hands down quercetin would be the best place to start. Uh, It commonly is mixed with a number of other supplements into one product uh, that may be helpful as well. So you may end up with a product that has a number of things in it to help with allergies. Okay, so since we're on the supplements and your book, I'm looking at, it looks like about 60 of them, and uh, so they can go to your book, and because quercetin you had listed as helping with inflammation, asthma, allergic uh, reactions, and it will decrease the leukotrans. So, I mean, any other advice that, you know, if people want to play detective on their own, uh, where supplements they might start with? That would certainly be my favorite of all of them. If inflammation is a component, then you can start with any of the supplements that are anti-inflammatory. A lot of times, uh, if it's more toward the asthma side, there's an inflammatory component. So MSM, methylsulfonomethane, curcumin are great anti-inflammatories. Even things like green tea. Green tea is a pill or three cups of green tea a day can help relieve allergic responses. If you're sensitive to caffeine, then you can certainly get green tea that's decaffeinated. Very interesting. And she does have a list of about 60 supplements. I'm looking at the list now. She does break it down to some of them are bronchodilators and aloe vera helps with immune, you know, vitamin D with inflammation, just about everything. She's got this long list. And I guess the best thing to do is to get her book so you can start playing detective on your own and figure out which of these 60 you want to start with. But definitely green tea is good for allergic symptoms and helping with free radicals. Garlic sounds good for fighting microbes, inflammation, decreasing uh, mucus. And she's got a very extensive list that will, I think could help our listener quite a bit. Well, it was interesting. I wrote this book with 
my co-author is Earl Mandel, who is a pharmacist and a Ph.D., and it was wonderful in co-authoring it with him. It's the first time I've been a co-author, and it was fabulous because in this book you have really the advantage of the physician's expertise and a pharmacist's Ph.D.'s expertise. So it's a well-rounded book. Okay, it certainly is. It goes a lot into various things. We are coming close to a break now, so perhaps we should break now and we can, uh, we'll continue this discussion after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Occupy Health. We're here with Pamela Smith, who is one of the leaders in the field of functional medicine. We've discussed functional medicine many times. It's getting under the hood to find the root cause rather than finding the symptoms and trying to treat the symptoms. So she's one of the leaders and, you know, we're moving force in this area. So I want to get back to the topic of allergies, which she connects, which she and most of our other speakers have connected with the gut. Now, one question I have is, you know, when people wear all these fragrances and smelly things, uh, you know, what happens when people are reacting to that? Well, I agree. In fact, in most hospitals, the employees are really not allowed to wear any fragrances whatsoever. But a real common allergy is to latex. And to share a personal story, I happened to be working as a physician in a Formula One race. 
and I was an ER doc for 20 years before I started doing this kind of medicine for 20 years, and I was the doc at a Formula One race, and I ended up having to intubate one of the EMTs at the race, and it turned out that the cause of his allergic response was to latex. When the cars go around the track, those tires have latex in them, and when they go so fast, the latex is spit off a tire, and the EMT got so close to the track that he literally had an allergic response. It was anaphylactic. We had to intubate him, and he ended up staying three days in the ICU. So what happens when he puts on latex gloves? Same thing. He really had not worn latex gloves because the city that he worked for, Detroit, had put in non-latex gloves for years. Also, people need to be aware if they're allergic to latex that there's a cross-reactivity with some foods. And I'd love to list those foods in case there's any latex allergy people out there. Yes, please. Okay, so apples, avocados, carrots, celery, cherries, chestnuts, figs, grapes, hazelnuts, kiwi, melons, nectarines, papaya, passion fruit, peaches, pears, pineapple, plums, uncooked potatoes, strawberries, tomatoes, wheat, and rye. If you're allergic to latex, then you probably do not want to eat these foods either because there can be a cross-reaction. This is interesting. Are there other dietary cross-reactions that we should be aware of? There's certainly there's many different kinds of cross-reactions to different things. And when it comes to just staying with the topic of latex, it's not just in gloves. I mean, latex is in balloons, bandages, uh, it's in pacifiers, uh, dental dams, uh, orthodontic appliances, tourniquets, dishwashing gloves, anything with spandex, uh, stethoscope tubing. I mean, there's a whole number of areas where people can get exposed to latex besides just gloves. Um, other common allergies to things which I personally have as an allergy, and part of the reason I got interested in writing this book is that I've had allergies since I was four, is cosmetics and personal care products. As you were mentioning, colognes and things of that nature, but it can also be hair dyes, it can be deodorants, detergents, moisturizers. My first experience with this was when I was a teenager, And I was putting on a foundation that I had found in the store, and my entire face turned beet red. So I had an allergic response to that foundation. So people can have allergies to cosmetics and personal care products, too. But they can have reactions to it, even though it's not quite that obvious. I think these have certain... Personal care products have so many chemicals in them that a woman leaving her home can have 120 chemicals on her before she even leaves. So I think even if we don't have the benefit of such an obvious reaction, these can be causing us difficulties. Oh, absolutely. And a real common one is to nickel uh, so that some people have problems with jewelry. If you wear your rings, for example, or earrings, and they 
kind of turn black underneath, then that is usually a nickel allergy, and so you should wear nickel-free jewelry. I just want to touch on some other dietary cross-reactions that the audience might not be aware of. If you have a reaction to grass pollens, you also might have a cross-reaction to tomatoes, melons, watermelons. Ragweed, you might have a reaction to banana, melons, and honey. And silver birch, which it sounds like uh, Dr. Smith has an issue with, you might cross-react with apples, peaches, cherries, carrots, celery, and most nuts. So when we're having problems, we really have to play detective, and obviously a functional medicine practitioner can help us. But uh, so there's a lot of issues. One thing I noticed is that when people have coughing asthma or hypersensitive uh, airways, what is that? Well, that can be due, again, to many different things. Uh, It may be due to mold, and mold can be a twofold problem. Um, People can have sensitivities to mold on the inside of their office, home, or other dwelling. They can either have a sensitivity to the mold as an allergy, or they may have toxic mold itself growing inside them. And so with molds, that's one of those kind of sensitivities that you're talking about. It may be a sensitivity or allergy, or it may be a manifestation of the mold itself. Okay. What I've noticed, for example, in myself, started with coughing asthma, now, if anybody has any fragrance at all, I just start gagging and wheezing, and yes, they are wearing it in the uh, hospital workplace. So what is that all about? Well, again, chemical sensitivities or multi-chemical sensitivities. Uh, some people have a stronger histamine response that they're born with, and people can even have something called histadelia where they are born with an overly active uh, histamine response to allergies. And at very young ages, they're immediately allergic to things. One of the best things to help with that is vitamin C. And so vitamin C at 1,000 milligrams a day as an adult dose can be very helpful for someone who is just born with a very strong histamine response. Uh, Many people have told me that when they have cleared out all the uh, chemicals from their homes and all these things that can cause it and, you know, all the uh, things that people put on their face and body, that then all of a sudden they're hypersensitive to chemicals where they could tolerate them when they used a lot of them. What's that about? Well, that certainly happens to a lot of people with cigarette smoke. We've gotten rid of smoking, thank goodness, in most locations. So when people go to a casino or a place where they can still smoke, then they actually have an over-response because they haven't been near it for a long time, and they've become more sensitive with uh, something like cigarette smoke. That would be a common one uh, from that viewpoint. So what does one do about that? Well, uh, a lot of it will depend on whether you were born with a strong immune response. You can certainly try any of the nutrients that we've discussed. uh, And if it's certainly to perfume or something of that nature, then you can certainly ask the coworker to uh, try and not wear the perfume. Um, That's easier said than done. That's easier Uh, said than done. Uh, one of the common places that people have allergic responses to is at hairdressers or a nail salon. 
many people have, you know, responses to the chemical additives to shampoo and hair products. So there's a lot of great uh, places out there with nail salons and hair salons where you can have people use uh, non-allergic or allergen-free organic products. Um, that can be helpful, too. But isn't there some way to get under the hood and look at the original cause that we can work on in our own to desensitize us? I mean, uh, or I mean, like if we went to a practitioner, would they use something like the slit therapy, or is there something we can do on our own? Doing on your own will depend on what kind of allergy you have. So allergy-proofing your area is the most key thing. So if you think it's a food allergy then start with eliminating wheat, dairy, corn, gluten, peanuts, and eggs. And that's where I start with my patients if we're not going to do allergy testing. I have them avoid those six foods, and then we slowly add one at a time back in every two weeks. And that will commonly tell us if one of those foods are a big culprit. The same thing if it's the workplace that is part of the allergen. If someone feels really good on the weekend, if they don't work weekends and they're at home and they feel great, and then when they come back to work on Monday, you know, they feel pretty good, Tuesday, not too bad, by Friday they feel horrible, then that's kind of a tip-off that that allergen may be in the workplace itself. So then you start keying in as to what may be in these locations that can be uh, set up for an allergic response to you. Uh, can allergies be transmitted through kissing or through breast milk? Not that we know of. That's a really good question. Um, not that we know of. From the viewpoint of allergens in general, most allergy sufferers have dark circles under their eyes. So if you're looking for, could, this, could I be feeling bad because it's an allergy? If the listeners out there have dark circles under their eyes, that's a huge tip-off that this is an allergic response. Um, getting allergies under control gets rid of those dark circles, but that's a tip-off to you that you may want to start looking at allergies as the cause of your symptoms. What can we do to prevent our kids from becoming allergic and hypersensitive? Well, one of the things we can do to help our children is, first of all, breastfeeding is very important to build a healthy immune response. Number two, try not to feed young children solid food. You know, part of it is cultural, but people have less allergic response if they're not fed solid food until the age of five to six months. So that can be helpful as well. Interesting study on peanuts. Um, so that's still being studied now. One study did show on peanuts that children that were exposed to peanuts under the age of two had less of an allergic response. So I think there's a lot we don't know yet with what to do with our kids. But the best thing to do for our kids is the best thing we do for ourselves. Eat healthy. Eat organic. Don't eat foods that have additives in them. And try not to eat a lot of gluten. Try not to eat as much dairy. And that's a great place to start for anybody, no matter what age they may be. What about having your environment too clean? Uh, is that a problem? <laughs> 
it is a problem. Believe it or not, kids are supposed to crawl on the floor. They are supposed to lick their hands without washing them. It doesn't mean we should not have good hygiene, but in order for a child to develop an immune system, they do need to have uh, exposure to dirt. Uh, They do need to have exposure to uh, other things that may sound gross. Uh, so, uh, a, uh, when a kid has a little bit of dirt and they've been crawling on the floor, that usually means they will turn out to be a healthy child. And one thing that we don't want to do is have people wash their hands all the time with sanitizers as their oh. mode of cleaning. Uh, it's best to use soap and water uh, to wash your hands as well. Why? What is the problem with the hand sanitizers? Well, they're looking at different studies now with hand sanitizers and the fact that if people use them as their only source of cleansing, that people can develop responses to the the products inside the sanitizers. So good old soap and water is always the best for most of the time. Certainly sanitizers have their place, don't get me wrong, but for everyday usage, soap and water is the best. Now, I, I might have the name of this wrong, but don't those hand sanitizers contain something called triclosan or something that can be a problem? And do the studies show that the hand sanitizers are any better than washing your hands with soap and water? No, not really. They don't show it, it, they're better. It probably is a convenience issue for some people. Um, but when I go into the grocery store, the grocery store I shop at, they have the little sanitizers that you can wipe the carts with. I see a lot of people doing that. I never wipe my cart. You do have to be near some bugs, some allergens to have a healthy immune system. So I just don't put my hands in my mouth. I go home and wash my hands. But you can over-sanitize, as you just suggested, your environment. So I can tell my kids to go out and play in the dirt. So we can tell our kids to go play in the dirt. Yes, we can tell our kids to play in the dirt, absolutely. Um, We can tell them to play in the sandboxes. People have done all those things since the beginning of time. I love when I see children outside. I mean, the best toy when I was a child was if someone in our block got a refrigerator or they got a stove and we played in the box for weeks. All those things are fun and healthy for people to do. So you recommend washing our hands with... Soap and water, do you recommend fragrance-free soaps? Uh, For people who are sensitive, fragrance-free soap would certainly be the best way to go, or depending on the person. I'm not a big lavender person. A lot of people love lavender, and it's calming to them, and it's fabulous to them, but for me it's not. It actually gives me a little bit of an allergic response, so I will avoid lavender. Uh, So a lot of this is trial and error with people. If you try something and you find you have a negative response like I do to lavender, then avoid that substance, and certainly fragrance-free is always the best choice. What do you do for people with hay fever or allergic sinusitis? Well, that's a great question when it comes to sinusitis to begin with. Sinusitis. And in Michigan, we actually call it Michiganitis because a lot of people have sinusitis. It is 98% of times with chronic sinusitis that it's actually related to yeast according to a major medical trial. 
Um, so if people have chronic sinusitis, what we usually do is we treat them for yeast for two months. We can either do that with an antifungal medication or we can do that with herbal therapies that get rid of yeast for two to six months. Um, so someone comes in with chronic sinusitis, the first thing that we do is we treat yeast, and many of these people do better. It's usually not a bacteria. What uh, rem- herbal remedies uh, would you recommend? I mean, like oregano oil, or what would you do for treating the yeast? Oregano would be great for that purpose. Garlic is one of my personal favorites for everything, and particularly if you're going to do raw garlic, if you happen to like it. Raw garlic will kill off bacteria, fungi, virus, parasites. It also helps prevent heart disease. It's a nice blood thinner that's very mild. Garlic is one of the best things that you can do uh, for yourself in general. But if you're trying to kill something off, then certainly garlic, you could eat raw garlic every day and you probably would get rid of that yeast. And some of your friends, too. <laughs> yes, and some of your friends as well. Now, I noticed in your book for hay fever and allergic sinusitis, some other suggestions you had were bromelain, 100 milligrams, MSM, a gram, quercetin, our, one of our favorites, 400 milligrams, stinging nettles, 300 milligrams, and, of course, vitamin C. So, Absolutely. Um, Any or all of those uh, can be very, very helpful. Um, the book... What You Must Know About Allergy Relief really has a a myriad of tips uh, to look at for all of these, including a really good discussion on all 60 of the nutrients. And it also has a section on traditional treatments for allergy and asthma. Uh, I don't believe in throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I am a traditionally trained internist. I believe in traditional medicine. The fortunate thing about functional medicine is that we can look at the cause of the problem, not just treat symptoms, and I'd much rather use a functional medicine approach, but if I need to use a medication, we can do that as well. I agree wholeheartedly, and it's quite possible that we can reduce the amount of medication we need as we uh, approach the, the, the underlying cause from different angles. Now, what can you recommend for people who have asthma or asthmatic responses? Well, for, first of all, if people have an asthma response, you really want to find the cause of the problem. If there is a trigger to their asthma, then you want to eliminate that trigger. Uh, for some patients, it's kind of obvious as to what that trigger may be. Uh, so that's uh, important, whether it's animal dander, Uh, Some people, they can get exercise-induced asthma, maybe foods, household cleaners, uh, tobacco smoke, even the medications that are beta blockers for some people can trigger an allergic response. You certainly want to make sure with asthma that you know what the pollution index is that day and want to avoid going out on days where the index is very high. Um, There's also asthma-promoting diets, uh, foods that contain a lot of sugar, foods that contain dyes, additives, and things of that nature. Set up an inflammatory response. Asthma is an inflammatory response. So what I try and get people to do that are 
asthma prone is cut down on the sugars. And they tend to do a lot better. And also to cut down on stress. You can't avoid stress, but mitigating stress can be very helpful to help people live well with asthma. Yeah, in your book, you even say that laughter can be therapeutic. <laughs> it is. There's actually studies by Stephen Sinatra, who's a cardiologist, that shows both laughter and crying helps prevent heart disease. It also helps prevent things like asthma as well. So a good cry, a great laugh are therapeutic. I love it. Another things you recommended in your book about asthma is avoid the bad oils because the vegetable oils and the highly processed oils will lead us on a pathway of inflammation. Some people might be sensitive to sulfites, so they need to check beer, wine, processed foods, uh, even canned vegetables. You also recommended good omega-3s, flaxseed, aloe vera, boswellia, capsicum that will clear out the mucus and is expectorant, and Chinese skullcap. So these are various things. I always like to get it on the underlying cause, what's triggering it, but, you know, cutting down on the inflammation sounds like a good step, first step. It always is. You know, a small amount of inflammation heals. Too much is a problem. And if you look at the entire body, 90% of all chronic disease is inflammatory in nature. You can start with the brain. Alzheimer's and all other forms of cognitive decline are inflammatory, and certainly allergies and asthma are inflammatory responses. Yeah, it's almost like one of the movies said, round up the usual suspects, let's go get the inflammation, oxidative stress, and uh, and immune dysfunction. Uh, We hear that many times here. So tell us about eczema or atopic dermatitis. Ah, atopic dermatitis. Well, moving into the skin, because that's a great area of looking at responses. When you have atopic dermatitis, that means that your skin has come into direct contact with something that you are allergic to, and that can be many different things. Uh, It can be, for example, if you have uh, a reaction around your hairline, that can be from hair dye. It can be from hairspray. It can be from perfume. Uh, So it's a direct relationship where you've come into contact with something. Yeah, you also Um, mentioned possibly nickel, candida in the GI tract, and a possible allergic reaction to fluoride. Isn't fluoride in all of our water? It is, and some people are very sensitive to it. Uh, You can measure fluoride levels now. It's a urine test, so you can see if that's a problem as well. Um, So there's many different ways of, of dealing with that. If you're looking at the itching that comes with eczema and dermatitis, and it becomes unbearable, you can certainly use a steroid cream, but I'd much rather instead have my patients use cold compresses or MSM. That MSM, methane, you can get that as a lotion. You can put that on. Uh, aloe or basis are good cleansers because some people are allergic to soaps. Um, so you can find you know, all kinds of lotions and things that are calming as opposed to inflammatory. You also recommended, you know, let's check to see if there's a low thyroid functioning going on. You also, you know, for traditional medicines, uh, one can look at histamines, Benadryl, and, you know, and 
also, you know, uh, oatmeal baths, et cetera, Aveeno, et cetera. You also mentioned good for the skin are essential fatty acids, vitamin E, over 400 milligrams a day, vitamin D, that's good for inflammation, immunity, just about everything, the gut, zinc, vitamin B12, vitamin A, good probiotic, making sure you've got enough stomach acid. And you also talked about various herbs such as sarsaparilla and milk thistle, especially for eczema and psoriasis. Okay. Sarsaparilla and and milk thistle are my two favorites for eczema and psoriasis. Uh, They're very traditional remedies. Um, They're used for inflammation. Uh, There are studies going all the way back to 1942 in the New England Journal of Medicine, for example, that sarsaparilla is a very good treatment for eczema or even psoriasis. Okay, so uh, this is very interesting. And so it looks like, you know, coming down close to the end, so it looks like allergies and sensitivities can be behind just about anything we can imagine, with such things as anxiety, ADHD, attention deficit type uh, symptoms, brain fog, compulsiveness, depression, disorientation. It can lead to increase the risk for seizures, irritability, lethargy, memory loss, mood swings, panic attacks. So it sounds like uh, allergic reactions, it could be the start of a a pathway down to an autoimmune response, inflammation, uh, leaky gut, and all these things interact and get us on a very chronic pathway. So in uh, three and a half minutes we have left, would you like to make any summarizing points or let people know how to get a hold of you or tell us a little bit about functional medicine? Absolutely. I love functional medicine because it looks at the cause of the problem and not just treating symptoms. It is a very personalized approach to medicine, and that's really where the science is in 2017, is a personalized approach. And that goes with allergies as well. Uh, The book is What You Must Know About Allergy Relief, which you can get in any major bookstore or online. You can also find us at www.centerforpersonalizedmedicine.com. That's www.centerforpersonalizedmedicine.com. And I can't say enough about functional medicine. I also can't say enough about you, Susan. You are the very best in looking at a functional Uh medicine approach. Well, I'm very susceptible to compliments, but this is extremely important, folks, because as many speakers have mentioned, any foreign substance, any reaction to any toxin, any incompletely digested substance uh, can set off an autoimmune reaction, inflammation, and lead us down toward the pathway to just about any chronic disease that we want to avoid. So I recommend to the listener that you do your own research, check with your clinician, uh, uh, find out and learn about all these things so you can help yourself and help others. And above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.